Hey, how's it going, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. And we are so fortunate today to be joined by two of our close friends as well, which is so fun. Uh, we're Our first guest is Brian Kelly, and we were originally going to have Stephen and Brian come on together. That's um, true. But Stephen, unfortunately, is feeling under the weather. But fear not, because we also have in the yeah, right Stephen corner. Yeah, Stephen wasn't able to make it, but I did bring my surrogate brother, Carlos, here for, <laughs> surrogate for this brother. week's episode. Oh, I love that. Thank Thank you so much thanks guys for having me today carlos how's it going dude I- i'm doing great i'm really excited to talk about this thing <laughs> you've earned it so yes St- steven is here in spirit and so um yes yeah this this is kind of a long overdue episode i think all <laughs> not us not will and myself we did not get to play these games we do not have the experience you guys have but <laughs> definitely you brian uh steven who can't be here and then carlos you guys love this trilogy i guess an unofficial trilogy yeah Sure. especially shadow of the colossus uh so anyone who's in the know uh knows what we're talking about today the team eco trilogy carlos for people that don't know what is this yeah so this is uh, i guess it would be a spiritual trilogy uh mm-hmm. for for the sony playstation series of consoles so uh team eco oh, is i love the playstation series by the way i think it's one of my favorite series it's, it's what a franchise it's a massive series yeah, yeah it's still going what yeah. are they on like um, six but, uh, five what is it <laughs> we're getting there i hear there's a playstation 5 but it's hard to get but i anyways, apologize for interrupting team eco no it's fine uh team eco is like a a a development team within Sony, and they have produced three games that we're going to be talking about today. And um, although they're not direct sequels, uh, thematically and artistically, they're very closely related. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm just super excited to dig into these games and talk about everything that I love about them. And it was cool because I think separately, Brian and Carlos at various times reached out to me and said, oh, can we do this episode? I like to be on it. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, let's do it with everybody. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is going to yeah. be a really fun time. And thanks, uh, Carlos, Brian, and Steven for your help with the playlist. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're so grateful for you guys for coming on, for giving, you know, the context of people who are passionate not only about this music, but about these games themselves and totally. what they mean in your lives personally, but kind of how how the narrative and storytelling of these games as a whole relates back to the soundtracks. Yeah. I'm just so excited. And you know how fun I think if Carl and I were doing a shadow of the Colossus episode, the excitement that we know is there from the fans of these games would make us already amped to talk about this music, but knowing that we yeah. get to do it with two of our closest video game music chums, it just, I I'm happy as a clam. It's going to be so fun. 
<laughs> before we before we start talking about eco, uh, we have to talk about that that uh, opening that playing track. We don't want to forget about that. That was really beautiful, kind of haunting. That was the prologue to the ancient land from Shadow of the Colossus, which we're going to get back to in a little bit here. Uh, so yeah, before we jump over to eco, Brian and Carlos, uh, anything you want to say about that opening track? I mean, I'm just going to say that it perfectly suits what it's trying to do it's mm-hmm. the first thing you're ever going to see in shadow of the colossus before you even get to the title screen it's the uh, it's the opening video where you're actually arriving you're watching the main character arrive to the ancient land and so it's a lot of panning shots of just silence and showing the vistas that you're going to see through the rest of the game it's an incredibly artfully done cutscene, no dialogue or anything, purely just walking through the land. And that music scores it so well because the beauty of that location is really going mm. to be the biggest draw of the whole game. That's really cool. I, I love hearing these like 2005 uh, virtual instruments mixed with, there's obviously some great real performance in the score, but uh, totally. it is. Uh, it has kind of a nostalgic sound. It's an era that a lot of us really cherish uh, when it comes to video games. Yeah. Anything to add, Carlito? I I guess I would echo what Brian's saying a little bit, where uh, I think the emphasis that you'll notice is more on the world itself and less on the characters. And one of the things that I can say about the development of the game is that uh, Fumito Ueda, the director and lead designer in all of these games, has said many times that he has like a a subtractive approach to game design, where Mm. he starts with these big ideas and he pulls those layers away to kind of get this minimalist look at what is purely essential in in video games. Yeah, and I think it's really important to realize that goes to the music as well. And that's something I'm going to add is, I believe in all of these games, they are not games where music is going to constantly be playing. He only uses music when it's needed. So a lot of your time in Shadow of the Colossus is spent in silence exploring the land. But when the music comes in, it's scoring something very particular. Well, what that makes me think as a composer too is that kind of process and philosophy is implemented by a lot of composers. Uh, The idea of starting with a lot and addition by subtraction, figuring Mm -hmm. out what notes to take away, not just adding more things. I think it can be very tempting for composers, artists, anyone to feel that the solution is in more, in adding more detail. But sometimes, you know, the eraser is just as valuable as the... I don't know. I, I feel like I'm searching for a proverb, but there's no proverb that is about the eraser. <laughs> the eraser is as good as the point. Totally. <laughs> well, Carlos, I was wondering if you could quickly give uh, the people that aren't familiar a quick setup to Eco, which is the game we're going to start with today. We only have two tracks from it. Yeah, and it goes in line with what we're already saying. So much of the game while you're playing it is either just type of ambient noise or no noise at all, and uh, there there mm. is a, like a full soundtrack, but I think it tops out at like maybe like twenty five minutes, twenty seven minutes, and right. uh, I chose a couple of tracks to represent a couple of different facets of the game. So the um, the main thing is you're playing as this young boy named Eco, and it has roots in like kind of this tribalism or ancient culture where. When you start the game, they're bringing you and you seem like you're almost like part of a sacrifice or some type of prison. And the young boy is trapped in this 
shell basically and he gets placed in this throne and it actually breaks and then from there you just kind of wander for a little bit until you encounter a young girl her name is yorda and then what happens beyond that is that you and yorda have to join forces to escape from this prison and um it's it's kind of an escort mission, which sounds horrible to say. If you're into video games, you probably hate <laughs> escort missions. But I think it's handled in the best way possible. Yorda is very key to the progression. She can access areas yeah. that um, you can't, and you need her help. And just as much as uh, she needs your help. But uh, to me, a very important aspect of the game is that they're, he's training you in gameplay to build an emotional connection, and yeah. when that's kind of when that changes, there's a emotional impact to that. So it's another case of making you feel something in a game without showing it to you through a cutscene or something like that. And I think I think that's a trait that all three of the games in the trilogy share, which yeah. is having a companion character. It's different in all three hmm. games, but having a companion character and building a relationship not through dialogue but through the gameplay. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I think was carried forward into game design and stuff like Prince of Persia, The Last of Us. This was yeah, kind of the start sure. of that idea of having that one companion character. It's a I great think point, these Brian. games are incredibly influential. And I, I honestly yeah, feel that's like... That's really cool to hear. Yeah, yeah. Games like Journey, games honestly like Twilight Princess or Breath of the Wild, these games in their own ways have really taken from stuff that was kind of introduced. And you would not exist games. without these. Yep. Yep. Uh, well, okay, totally. you bunch of nerds. Let's actually play some music. How about that? Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we'll talk about this after we hear this one. But this track we're going to play is called Heal. And the artist is Pentagon from Eco. Let's take a listen. Very beautiful. You guys are listening to or, or just listen to Heal. And that's from Eco, which is the first game in this quasi-trilogy, Team Eco trilogy. Uh, so, Carlos, the artist here is Pentagon. Uh, tell me a little bit about that artist and about the context of this track. Yeah, so Pentagon, Pentagon is actually a, a duo of composers made up of uh, two people, Koichi Yamazaki and Mitsukuni Murayama. And I actually cool. don't know too much about them, but... Um, 
I think their only other credit is actually for Gran Turismo 3, which also, <laughs> you know, under Sony's oh, interesting. umbrella. So, um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what I can say about Pentagon and the soundtrack itself is that um, the much of the compositions are by a composer named Michiro Oshima, and um, you can tell there's two different voices, basically. So uh, Pentagon really handled more of the ambience of the game, and Michiro Oshima handled like the melodic or like maybe a cutscene, the, the, the bigger, grander tracks. And um, That's really cool. Will, what were your thoughts on that on that track, Heal? It was so delightful. I, I loved hearing that electronic palette that it honestly mm. reminds me of something like Disaster Piece. Like, it's like just that sort of simple, mm. uh, repetitive, very diatonic, almost minimalism in its musical influences, yet there's something more... There is that quality to it that's... Japanese, for lack of a, a finer word, some of the rhythms, the melodic character of it, mm. the sweet and vulnerable nature, the fact that it's able to get, I think, kind of adult and sophisticated emotions communicated in a very inauspicious way, which is something that I feel like so much it's Japanese a very game music evocative does. evocative track. It, what I found interesting is it actually holds up production-wise really well in, in 2021. Mm, yeah. This is a 20-year-old piece of music. Mm-hmm. game came out in 2001, and it doesn't feel like that. It feels yeah. like just as vibrant and imaginative as well, yeah, something that I, that's would come a good out point. now. There's something timeless about it. All of these sounds are very simple. They are all very rounded in their basic synths, and they don't have uh, an overt character that's meant to kind of... Um, be edgy or surprising or dive in too specific to one genre. And because I think those are the things that can date a piece of music. And that's, that can be a good thing as well as a bad. That's how we make a piece of music sound like, you know, seventies funk or eighties dance music or, or whatever it is that you're trying to go for. It's like, uh, what's great about this though, is because it uses these very pure tones, it's timeless in a way that I think, uh, honestly, and maybe this sounds like an exaggeration, but this could be as timeless now as it is in a hundred years, because we'll probably mm. always have electronic music for the rest of, I mean, time. I can't imagine it going away unless something cataclysmic. Until Y2K2 yeah. happens and everything's acoustic. <laughs> again. Uh, so let's let's move on to the next track here. Re- really quick before we move on is um, this track heal actually plays when you save your game. So in the game oh. you actually oh. s- sit down on a little couch. It's like a ancient looking concrete couch and that <laughs> this is the melody that plays. And the other thing yeah, I really right. wanted to say before. So so one of the, one of the things is that anybody that's played this game is going to recognize this melody a lot because it was like anytime you can save you're like oh thank god i made it through this next puzzle (laughs) and i can save (laughs) it's like resident evil in that way yeah Yeah. it is actually the other thing i wanted to say is that i kind of remember this and i dug a little bit and i couldn't like find like a solid confirmation but i remember hearing a story that verizon or fedex was actually using this melody for their hold music and I, <laughs> wow. I found a YouTube video of somebody like holding their phone out, and you can hear it. And it sounds like it's this melody, but with like drum 
backing to it, which is kind of crazy. Interesting. But I couldn't find. I like, wonder if that was. You know what's funny, Carlos? Not an official licensed <laughs> version. I do think about you, Carlos, every time I'm on hold with something. I'm because there's always some like jazz <laughs> oh, fusiony yeah. thing with like a. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm always like, I wonder if Carlos would like <laughs> yeah. this. Yeah, the answer is probably yes. <laughs> well. So Carlos talked about there's kind of two sides of this score. We have the ambient and the more melodic. Let's give a little bit of a taste of the more melodic side. Yeah. This is the second track we're going to play today from Eco. It's composed by Oshima. It's Castle in the Mist. You guys listening to Castle in the Mist uh, from Eco. This is a beautiful, emotional piece of music. Carlos, let's start with uh, a little bit of the context of of when this comes in. And then, Brian, I want to get your thoughts uh, just on this totally. piece of music. Yeah, so this honestly would probably be considered the, like one of the main themes of this game. And actually, you don't hear it until the very end. So it's uh, mm-hmm. there's wow. a combination of two songs that play during the credits. It's like I said, there's hardly any music. So and I right. also feel like when this hits you, like when you're watching, I guess, you know, when you beat like a Castlevania game or one old Nintendo game and they show like a castle crumbling in the distance and uh, it's yeah. kind of the same idea at the end of Eco, but there's such an emotional impact. One, because you kind of built this relationship throughout the game, through the gameplay, but two, that you're overcoming... It's a bittersweet moment. Yeah, and you you're You can tell just from this music that it's bittersweet. Right, right. You're overcoming these obstacles of all these puzzles in the game. So seeing this place that you kind of had such an intense time with kind of falling away as the credits play, and you're hearing this music, and honestly, the... Um, the composition here and the kind of style kind of lends to this idea that you see in all three games where it's you're like kind of looking at an ancient culture that you have no idea about you know so it's like that's so cool yeah and and i think that whether this was the intended sound for this game that ueda had an idea for this culture or not it it carries on throughout the other games and even though all the games have different composers and i think that's really cool too maybe a sense of emotion brian what are your thoughts on this just as a piece of music i it's incredibly beautiful it's a long time since i've heard it but as carlos was mentioning the uh 
context, it was coming back to me and I could see in my mind images of that castle falling. I love, and this comes through in Shadow of the Colossus as well. Um, I love how when they have this more like, I don't know what you would call it, kind of folk music. Um, mm hmm. It mm -hmm. tends to be used outside of the game world. Like it's used for ending credits or it's used for bonus tracks or something like that. It's almost used as a reward um, sure. outside of the context of the game. And I, I don't know if that's purposeful or not, but I find that interesting that it's almost like this is kind of like your, this is your reward for playing the game is these pieces of really fleshed out music while in the game world, it tends to be of a different style. Yeah. It's interesting games that feature that kind of contrast between musical grammars for things that are in different aspects of the gameplay yeah. i think that's such a great way of creating a soundtrack that's versatile because it's useful to lean yeah. on style genre timbre to create these different emotions in games but if you just have something that's too eclectic it it i think it can start to feel like you almost just picked random tracks from a music library and they don't have that cohesion so being able to separate them in a logical way that even if it's not explicitly clear to the player on some innate level it just makes sense by segmenting it that way Totally, totally. And that's something I love about uh, this series. So we should say that the the meat of this playlist and of this episode is really Shadow of the Colossus. Uh, like yeah. we said, we only had two tracks from Eco. We only have four uh, that's going to end our episode from The Last Guardian. So most of this episode is going to be talking about Shadow of the Colossus. We had that plan. We're now moving to the first track we're really going to talk about um, in earnest. This is The Opened Way. Uh, Carlos, let's have you briefly set up this game, Shadow of the Colossus, before we talk about the music. Yeah, so Shadow of Colossus was, uh, I remember it was being hyped a lot before it came out, and I was very excited for this game, and I played through Eco, and Eco hit me, but it wasn't like, I, I remember playing Eco and thinking, wow, this is like a next generation kind of experience, and uh, Shadow of the Colossus really promised an even bigger idea, and basically it's uh, the same kind of setup you're seeing this ancient world and thematically and artistically it looks very similar to eco mm -hmm. um and yeah. the whole the premise of this game is that you're a young man named wander and actually he's not referred to by name at all in the game and uh all you know is that he's riding on horseback into what you become aware of as being a forbidden land and he has a loved one, a, a female that's with him, and she has she's passed away. And he's basically trying to enter this forbidden land to try and bring her back to life. So you're trying to save a woman. But honestly, as the game plays through, you'll find that your relationship is much a, more of a wander and his horse <laughs> so mm. you have a horse with you named agro and as you travel this world which is a vast empty world there are no enemies throughout the land there are life there's life wow. liz lizards and birds but you're honestly going from i would say boss fight to boss fight and there are these colossi these gigantic enemies that you travel this land and you encounter them and you defeat them, and all you really know is that you're being tasked to take these down, and your only purpose is really to try and bring this this loved one back to life. And as what the an game progresses, idea for a game. yeah, it develops, and as it develops, you understand how 
it's it's kind of it's kind of a takedown on like I almost I would say violence in video games, but um, oh, it's cool. it's very uh, it's so smart in how it's handled and it's so yeah. impactful when it gives you that violence and uh, you're gonna see in this music that we're gonna be playing here how it can really the music is so important to this game as well. Absolutely, such a good soundtrack. Well, let's let's dive into the music. Sure. This is uh, the first one we're we're talking about today. It's the Opened Way, composed by Ko Otani from Shadow of the Colossus. Here we go. So beautiful, so exciting. This is the opened way from Shadow of the Colossus. Brian, talk a little bit about your feelings on this track and maybe Man. just your feelings <laughs> on the game itself. Wow, yeah, this is good. Jeez. I know. The second I started hearing this song again, just I can't not get chills listening to Shadow it's of the Colossus. It's so emotional. Just the music. It's, like I have no fabulous. specific context and I'm mm-hmm. just transfixed by this. Yeah. My, my thoughts on the game, like Shadow of the Colossus is probably probably my favorite game ever, if not just in the very, very top. Um, because it's so I was talking to Steven about it ju- just the other day. I don't think there's a more unique game I can be aware of. Like, there is nothing else quite like the hmm. experience of Shadow of the Colossus. And that goes back to just how purposeful every decision is. It feels like they never put something in just because games do that, and we kind of have to throw right. it in there. All of it is is towards the purpose of, of the story they're trying to make. I mean, what's funny is, like, based on what you guys have been telling me about it, it almost sounds like it was designed by people that are from another planet that didn't know about video games. And this is kinda. like the first video game ever made that's just like yeah. making up its own rules. It kind of does feel like that. You can see the influences, but not as clearly as in other games. And one of the things going to this track in particular th- that I love about the soundtrack is the contrast. Like we talked about how um, when you're exploring the world, there's no music at all. There's just the sound of the wind. And then you'll see one of those giant towering colossi and start um, battling them. And this music comes out of nowhere. And so you've gone from complete silence to this. And 
it just completely underscores the the majesty and the intimidation of the task that you're taking on as this tiny little person. And that's something else that we have to mention about Shadow of the Colossus. The scale of these bosses were like basically nothing else mm-hmm. in games up until that point. It ran at like 15 frames a second on the PS2 yeah. because it was so <laughs> ridiculously impressive, the size of these things. Like yeah. the sense of scale of how massive they are kind of can't be overstated. And so this music so cool. had to meet that. And I think it did a really good job of of using the orchestra to to match that sense of scale and awe. Well, this next track, uh, we'll, we'll give Carlos time to talk about uh, yeah, okay. just the game in general <laughs> and just kind of the context of it. Uh, so let's move on to the next one we're going to play. Um, it's the end of the battle. It's not the end of the episode. <laughs> There's going to be yeah. more battles. The end of the <laughs> battle from Shadow of the Colossus. Super interesting piece of music. Carlos, let's start with you. This is the end of the battle. Tell us a little bit about your feelings on this track and just maybe the context here. Yeah, so this is what plays whenever you defeat a Colossus. So you'd imagine in Mm. Zelda or a Final Fantasy game, you'd get a victory. (laughs) You know, some type of fanfare, right? This is not what you would expect. Yeah, and that kind of goes in line with what I was saying earlier where... uh, you're traveling this world and you encounter these creatures and you're you're killing them and as that happens um it's it's not celebrated it's actually pretty sorrowful and that goes in line huh. with where the story progresses in the game so i think it's really cool and uh, i also wanted to talk about the composer ko otani so ko otani actually is he's got pedigree in anime and film so one of the That's right. like major things to me that he's done is he worked on a Gamera set of films in the 90s, wow. which is like giant kaiju movie series. Yeah. And he also mm-hmm. did uh, one of the Godzilla films around the late 90s, early That's 2000s. Right. So yeah. It makes sense why he was chosen for this game. Yeah. And actually similar to like what you guys were talking about on your... Uh, Gran Turismo episode where you're talking about T-Square members where they basically were like hey you know how like video game composers are always aspire to these other composers we're just literally going to mm-hmm. get those composers to do the soundtracks for our game so they basically That's a good idea yeah yanked Ko Otani and said hey we're making a basically a kaiju game do our music for us and it's 
terribly effective. That's I'm that so glad so you cool. bring that context because I mean that's that's something that has been happening for decades in video games and it's so cool to know that that happens both in the US and in Japan. Um, mm-hmm. and these scores are really fantastic as are, I mean, yeah, the, I, I'm not familiar with all the Gamera movies, but you know, I love all the Godzilla music. Um, and yeah. I think that, uh, this is kind of a Godzilla but game. What's interesting. I love the the context <laughs> of this piece that it's this sort of forlorn victory and, uh, mm-hmm. harmonically there's so much happening in this piece of music that, tells us that this sort of the majority of the piece has it. I see it as sort of existing in these two halves. The first half is sort of oscillating between just a diatonic major stable tonic chord strings, and then going to the kind of uh, four minor borrowed from the uh, parallel minor scale. So in C, this would be like C major to F minor, but usually keeping kind of these pedal tones in the bass. Yet what's interesting is, so that that progression is kind of melancholic. It's a bit sad. Um, it also has connotations maybe with romance, um, but it's, it, it is mm-hmm. a little forlorn. Yeah. Yet the second half is, is like the musical definition of uncertainty because we have these major chords yeah. in the major, the third scale degree that tells us whether the chord is major and minor. It cannot agree between major or minor, yeah, major or minor, and there's no other shift in the harmony. Yeah. So like... If, again, if the if the fifth it's unsettling um, went up a half step, then you would have this kind of like flat six chord. But by it just keeps negating that. It sounds like is that a sharp nine? Is it this sort of bluesy where they're supposed to rub together, or is it actually going from major to minor? And because of the reverberance in the space, and he keeps hinting at that. So what I love is it's very mm. literal. It's almost like it reminds me of something a classical composer would do. You know, when you talk about yeah. Beethoven and different movements of his symphonies is expressing like literal concepts and ideas through music. Like he has actual philosophical Yeah, you can hear all those ideas he's in the music. It's super yeah. cool. Yeah. I love that you got the unsettling idea from this because when you defeat a Colossus, like this shadow erupts out of the Colossus and it tracks to you. And no matter how fast you run or where you go, it absorbs into you and you collapse and you pass out. And then you wake up at your starting point in the game to take on the next Colossus. So that unsettling feeling is translated yeah. directly to the game. That is amazing. This next track, I'm very excited. It's one of my favorites. Now, I actually specifically didn't listen to every single piece uh, <laughs> when when you guys were putting together the playlist, but this one I've known for a long time. It's so good. Revived Power.
You guys are listening to what is already a classic to me, and I've never played this game. This is Revived Power. <laughs> I was mentioning yeah. while this was playing, it's like Mario Galaxy before there was Mario Galaxy. Oh, yeah, I have yeah. to imagine that scores like this were so influential to, to game composers you know, to come later. I mean, this was just well, such a powerful sound to hear in 2005. I think especially anime. I mean, the sound of anime music, which is what this sounds like in Galaxy, is cut from a similar cloth. Uh, as are games like Star Fox Assault, um, where that sort of melodic, uh, yeah. but rich, yeah. quasi-classical style. But you know what I love about that style is there's something contemporary, or, or like, I guess not contemporary anymore, but like of the era about it, that it's it feels like game music or it feels like tv music or whatever the medium like it's accessible mm-hmm. and felt like right now yet it also draws influences like there's a lot of the the harmonies the rhythms here some of the orchestral choices that make me think of holst make me think of the planets and it has that that mixture oh, yeah. of the classical and the sort of um the the tune rich you know movie or game music sound kind of together at one, yeah. Well, which I think is so my great. in my humble opinion, it's time to make like a legitimate sequel to this game, and it's time to get Koatani back to do another score like this. Yeah, because, I know. man, this is exciting mm-hmm. music. Yeah, yeah. This this track is one of the few. I mean, it is the go to track. If I show someone a a, a song from Shadow of the Colossus, this is typically the one I will pick. Um, and it's one of the few tracks in the game, if not the only one, that is not unresolved. It is not. Um, what would you say? It is not dark. It is purely triumphant. Like, this is the most triumphant yes, track is. in the game by far. And the context fits with that. Typically in the fights with the Colossi, there will be kind of two stages. One is trying to figure out how the heck you're going to get on top of that thing. And that's kind of the puzzle stage where you're trying and floundering to to get on top of them so you can stab them with your sword. Then the second stage is once you're on top of them, it's trying to stay on top of them and not get shaken off as you stab them. And typically this song will be used <laughs> in so that second horrible. phase when you have figured out the puzzle you're on top of them and now you need to stab them to death i don't know this i'm is down what's going to be playing if this music's playing I'm, I'm totally down if for you that. if you didn't know what a colossi was if you just thought you were talking about yep. a human it would sound like you've gone absolutely yep. insane there's one song that plays when you try <laughs> I mean, to grab again, them and hold them the down themes of this game stab them to death the themes <laughs> of this game definitely understand that <laughs> And that's, well, I'm yeah. excited uh, to talk about the context of this next track. Musically, it is a real change of pace from Revived Power. So really good placement in our playlist here. Uh, it is yep. Silence, again, composed by Otani. Let's take a listen. Thank you. 
You guys are listening to Silence. Oh my god. Yeah, this music is so unique. You guys talked about how unique this game is, and this music is just as unique. It's, you know, handmade, made fresh yep. every morning for <laughs> for every uh, part of this experience. All right, Carlos, let's talk about the context of Silence. Yeah, and I really enjoy that Brian brought up the different phases of these fights so uh the two tracks that we the two battle tracks we've played have been the second phase so far and this is one of the Mm -hmm. first phases and actually one of the most memorable for me so uh the the geography of this land honestly you have no guide the only thing that guides you is your sword so you'll raise your sword up and the light will guide you as a beam so if the light focuses that's amazing yeah, that you know where you need to go. And it reveals itself. So as you make your way to this area, uh, you kind of have to go through caves or climb up an area. So this boss fight is a, its a colossus that's literally like an eagle. And when you get to this area, he's kind of perched over this body of water and you have to swim to get a little bit closer. And it, if you don't do anything, nothing will happen. You have to initiate this fight. And that also goes into the kind of uh, philosophy of violence in this where uh, right none uh, well towards the end of the game there are some that are more aggressive but at the beginning of the game these are just creatures that are living their lives and you invade their home and you kill them <laughs> which is pretty brutal but this eagle you shoot wow. an arrow at it and it dives and it flies towards you in the sense of scale and the sense of drama it, it's it's like nothing else but this silence this peaceful kind of tranquil mysterious sound is when you arrive and you see this thing perched on its ledge wow that's really cool that there are the two phases uh, and i imagine that more often than not the second phase the music amps up a little bit oh yeah um, yeah. That's that's really cool. The next track we have on our playlist, and just another, we wanted to give a disclaimer that we didn't have time to play all the tracks from the score. We had to make some cuts, and there's probably some other cuts that you guys already had to make when you were making this playlist. Uh, so yeah, if you're a fan of this and you haven't listened to the whole score, definitely do that. We're going to move on to The Farthest Land.
you guys listening to The Farthest Land, it's one of my favorites uh, that I've heard from Shadow of the Colossus. It's so beautiful. Brian, talk about your feelings on this track, and if you want to talk about the context as well. Sure. I mean, I agree with you. This is one of the absolute standout tracks from the game. Um, And it's another example of that more folk um, melody and rich uh, lyricism being in a different context. And where this plays is if you leave the game at the title screen, it'll start kind of doing a flyby of the land itself, of the scenery, just as kind of a a way of uh, introducing you to it. And so I kind of consider this like the theme song of the land itself, the theme song of this of this world and it's all desolate there's there's nothing really going on in it but you're just kind of looking at the beauty of it and listening to this track and i think it it scores that very very well well it's the theme song of the world and it makes sense that kotani is going for world music on this yeah. uh will talk a little bit about what this makes you think of does it remind you of any other kinds of music well i think brian described it very well you know the sort of folk tradition melodic uh, the lyricism of the score that we have heard up until this point and kind of that Japanese anime composer style of incorporating elements mm-hmm. from jazz, classical, folk traditions, and the the music stylistic qualities of whatever the given medium is, be it film music, television, games... Uh, that's why I think so many Japanese composers, they, they just seem so egoless with how they approach something where it seems like it's very rarely about like, I want to shoehorn in my style or this thing that I have to do in every soundtrack. And it's just more about like uh, an immediate and um, direct kind of emotional explosion of whatever the assignment is. And I think here it's like, this is just such a beautiful, tranquil way of uh, introducing the player to the world. And, it's the perfect choice. And I think it's, it's, I, it's a very simple piece of music. Yeah, doing that with melody and with these colorful folk instruments does make it you feel like you're in a a magical world some of these instruments that it's kind of like the middle ages but it's also feels quasi electronic like it's though there are like some synth pads in there and it it's also gamey so mm. it's just sort of alluring and that's why i like carlo described it as like the attraction mode it does feel like an attraction like it would draw you in to say "Ooh, what's this yeah well, I think in a lot of different ways, in a lot of different pieces, Otani really does a good job of whisking you away. Even if you're just listening to this music, like it really does transport me to another place. Uh, let's move yeah. on from what, maybe one of the most tranquil tracks to one of the most exciting on the episode. This is Counterattack. <laughs>
You guys are listening to Counterattack, an amazing piece of music. The composition, the arrangement, the performance, so good. This is composed again by Ko Otani. Carlos, I want to get your thoughts on this piece of music. What, what are what are some of the things that you really enjoy about this piece of music? I, I think this is also a second phase uh, boss theme, and uh, like the others, it it fills you with energy. Uh, <laughs> once you get up there and you're riding on top of these guys or whatever you're up to, you feel like you've already achieved the victory, and you can't so rousing. You can't be defeated with music like this behind you. Yeah. It's so true. I mean, and it's like just the process of listening to this, it just lifts me up. And I, I feel like I want to go out and kill a Colossus. I mean, I don't even know what that is, <laughs> well, but I, I also think Brian do it. made such an excellent observation when we were listening to this just about, you know, how melody centric all the battle tracks are. And I think that there, what's so great about the way it works, especially in a piece of music like this, is that it you know the rhythmic excitement and the dynamic of the orchestra communicates that this is an epic battle epic in terms of the size of the colossi you know but also epic in terms of the you know fortitude and strength and everything but by having a melody and by having an emotional theme that develops and and feels rich and painful it it makes it a battle of emotions like a battle of souls as opposed to just you know, a purely physical fight, which I think it raises. The if stakes. you think about the equivalent in film, you know, this needs to be like a boxing match. This needs to be Rocky. You know, you yeah. need to be feeling the emotions as well as the brutality of the, the swipes and punches. So it isn't meant to be like an action scene, like a chase scene in a film. You know, it should sound like a great sword. It reminds fight. me a lot of like duel of the fates or, yeah. or revenge of the Sith, mm-hmm. where it's a, it's a melodic and emotional thing more than it is just yeah. fight music. Absolutely. Well, the next track looks like we have three more uh, today from mm-hmm. shadow of the Colossus before we move on to the last uh, in the trilogy. This is gate watcher of the ancient ruins. You guys are listening to Gate Watcher of the Ancient Ruins, and man, some something wrong is yeah, going on. Yeah, I was about to say, are you sensing sure. the foreboding in the air here? <laughs> I definitely am. Will, <laughs> I would like to talk a little bit about the sound of this orchestra. 
that mm. was recorded for the Shadow of the Colossus. I loved the sound, um, both the performance and how it was recorded. It's just, it's really exciting and cinematic and vast. What are your feelings on uh, this, this orchestra, Will? Yeah, I think it's a very stylized approach, I feel, which is similar to a lot of television music, particularly anime um so it it definitely shows its age i guess like to me it feels explicitly like late 90s kind of in that it does ballpark era Mm -hmm. uh and i think it's probably because of some of the digital reverbs that are maybe being used some of the kind of striping practices maybe they only had one or two horn players and so they had them double tracking on their own instrument and so there's like some of that kind of quality that you hear some of the brass is like it feels close mic'd in a way it doesn't have that you know brian mentioned duel of the fates it doesn't sound like the london symphony playing at abbey road but no. it's no not at all there, for there is this, a charm it isn't this. just a charm it's like it it's it's magical this is this isn't just an orchestra this yeah. is a magic orchestra this is an orchestra that doesn't just exist on earth it's wispier and i love that well, quality of it's it. like every way you can imagine this game experience and definitely the soundtrack is so unique it's just yeah. it's really it's its own thing absolutely yeah and as uh, as we mentioned at the beginning there is a growing sense of foreboding going on at this point in the game this plays i believe in the penultimate colossus so it's the fight before the last fight and something that's interesting is a lot of the battle tracks are reused between colossuses so you start getting pretty used to them then this one plays and you're like oh this is new things are starting to get darker (laughs) everything in the story is starting to heat up and lead towards this final confrontation um and so and so once you defeat this guy you don't know what's coming next but that that leads us to the next track well I'm very scared. (laughs) (laughs) You should be. The next track we're going to (laughs) play is (laughs) Demise of the Ritual from Shadow of the Colossus. Here we go. You guys are listening to Demise of the Ritual. It is a really... We talked about the previous track being foreboding. I mean, this one, <laughs> there's just a weight. There's an emotional weight to this. It's like, man, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I yeah. have it in me kind of kind of a feeling, at least to the music. Does that kind of match with the experience here? Yeah, totally. And actually, uh, this 
boss fight, this final colossus that you're uh, trying to defeat, it's, it takes place in a storm, so it's constantly raining, huh. and it's completely gray, like dark uh, arena, basically. And it's it's, it's completely just so still, sad. Actually, it's like a yeah, it's a huge tower, basically, of a colossus that you have to first try and get to. Because he's constantly like actually shooting projectiles at you, which happens only a couple of times in other fights, and he he's aggressive. You know the the Colossus before this one and this one are very aggressive. You know it's 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 now that they understand that you're an enemy and they're trying yeah. to defeat you before you even get to them. And uh, yeah, it, it's so effective to me, and it, yeah. it hearing it just calls me back to when I mm-hmm. was trying. There's a to sense defeat. of hopelessness about the whole thing. For sure. Yeah, not just yeah, the fight wow. itself, but just where you are in this world yeah. and what you're trying to well, do. Something we haven't what you're mentioned do, yeah. is across this entire soundtrack, the incredibly audacious harmonies. Mm-hmm. A lot of them seem to be born somewhere in between, you know, 20th century concert music, you know, the atonal modernist style yep. and yeah. almost things almost like rock or punk or yeah like you know what i'm saying like that it has that 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 quality that so much game music does where it's like these parallel fourths and fifths playing a diverse toolbox for sure yet it's like also these kind of colorful dissonances and certain large intervallic leaps with chromatic phrases where it's like it's not exactly atonal but it's it's similar to you know what mm-hmm. Koji Kondo does in you know the Mario Three Castle theme for instance, where it's just really colorful pitches that don't seem obviously related, and it's that it's like somehow making atonal music accessible, which yeah, seems like it should be catchy, doable. It's oh, the catchy, it's the catchy kind of yeah. atonality, you know the ba da 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 that type of it's a great point yep. stuff. Totally. I love that it's not like, this isn't like your Dr. Wily one, or it's not even like yeah. a one-winged angel. You're just, no. you're, you're straight no. up sad. It's just sad. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So guys, yeah. before we leave the musical world of Shadow of the Colossus, we have mm-hmm. one more track to play, and it is The Sun Lit Earth. Is this, I imagine, is this the ending, guys, or what? what is this track? Yeah, this is during the credits. Yep. Let's take a listen from Shadow of the Colossus.
You guys are listening to, or you just listened to, The Sunlit Earth. Uh, it's, it's one of the pieces that plays during the credits of Shadow of the Colossus. And without spoiling it for people, without giving away <laughs> what is happening, can we talk yeah. about the emotions totally. uh, so that I this music is say, conveying and how it matches it? I can at least say the imagery you're getting, because I think that this it really matches the imagery, because you've kind of gone through the whole final cutscene. All of the drama has already happened, and this is the very final shot where a bird flies up and out mm-hmm. over the land and you're leaving. So you're following the bird on like a tracking cam and seeing the, the sun and the clouds and you're leaving this whole land behind you. So there's this sense of lightness and freedom that comes. And I think the yeah. music but really sadness, captures that. There's a bittersweet sad. tone to it. There's a, there's a sadness and there's a bittersweet, but it's also <laughs> mixed with this freedom and this flight of the, yeah. the bird that you're following. So What a unique emotional world <laughs> that yeah. this game has. And I got to say, I wasn't expecting it because when I thought of Shadow of the Colossus, you know, we played mm-hmm. Revive Power before yep. on the podcast. I think we played Counterattack. And it's like, that's what I think of. I think of, oh, that really exciting, rousing soundtrack. But that is not all. <laughs> no. No, absolutely not. And it, it, like you said, everything in the game is tinged by a sort of sadness. And yet it's also woven in with a hope. And I think that's really nice because a lot of games just go all the way down the dark and sad route. And Shadow of the Colossus rides yeah. that bittersweet line that I think is that that is in the stories that really stick with us. So to wrap up our episode, we wanted to play a few tracks from The Last Guardian. We look uh, looks like we have four pieces on our playlist, including a playout uh, that we're, we'll try to set up and we'll try to talk about it before uh, that track. But so the first thing we have on this playlist is the Overture lore. And before we play this, Carlos, why don't you do another brief setup of The Last Guardian? Yeah, so similar to Shadow of the Colossus, this was a very highly anticipated game from Team Eco. And actually, development for this game was quite long. They announced it in, like, 2009, and it didn't release until 2016. It was originally going to be on the PlayStation 3, and then it ended up coming Mm -hmm. out on the PS4. And this takes a lot of the, the good parts from... Both games, Eco and Shadow of the Colossus, and combines them into this new beautiful thing. So in in Last Guardian, you play as a young boy, and it's in a similar way where you end up in this kind of prison-type castle area, but instead of encountering a young woman, you encounter basically a colossus who takes the form of like this... It's kind of half dog, half bird, half cat, but you love it, whatever it is. But he's a good he's a good boy this time, not a yes. bad boy. Yeah. Very. And um You don't want to kill him. No. Right. right. His his name is Trico, and you form this bond with this creature and you join forces to try and make your way out of this prison. And um similarly to the other games, uh the emotional bonds are formed through the gameplay. And the way that it carries you through that and the impact that you feel through this game is kind of unmatched. And I love this game dearly. And honestly, I haven't gone back to play it because it was so important to me. But actually, doing stuff for this podcast really has kind of awoken things. So I feel like I'm probably going (laughs) to revisit it soon. That's really cool. Well, let's start off with Overture Lore, composed by Takeshi Furukawa, as well as the London Symphony Orchestra. Thank you. 
You guys listening to Overture Lore, oh, man, every single score in this trilogy has such a different sound and style. This is composed by Takeshi Furukawa and performed by the London Symphony Orchestra. Wow, this is really evocative music. Will was mentioning that it reminds him of Thomas Newman. I definitely hear that. It's really cool to go from the sound of Shadow to the sound of Last Guardian. Yeah. Uh, just so much better when it comes to how it was recorded and engineered. It's just vast and clean and full. It just sounds amazing. And, I mean, taking advantage of a full symphony orchestra as opposed to that sounded like more of a commissioned orchestra of like I like I said it could have been a really small brass section could have been a really small woodwind section um where this uh, this piece is mostly strings in terms of what's featured but you can already tell Mm. the grandeur of it and it's we uh, did yeah it just sounds fantastic but the composition is so striking as well and similar to what Ko Otani very subtle very the fact that it's this blending of emotions that they're these pure like I really think that track the end of battle it was so simple it was so like it wasn't Mm -hmm. uber melodic in like a there wasn't this separation of here's the melody and here's the chords it was just kind of like this one essence of the the emotionality and there's a similar approach here but with entirely different grammar mm-hmm. the this sort of modal planing 10th chords that's what makes me think of like thomas newman it has that sort of modern or at least you know 2000s post american beauty kind of hollywood orchestra sound like the way that those strings sound so full and rich like that but then i love that final there's this it's there's really this interesting that there's this chord where it's like it resolves back to the one yet it keeps the suspended fourth just dangling high in the violins yeah and it doesn't resolve down duh. it just yeah. stays there yet lower voice in the chord you hear the actual third and that kind of tension it's the same type of half step that we heard in shadow of the colossus between the major third and minor third here though it's the fourth scale degree in yeah. the major third well i i find this really interesting going from shadow of the colossus to this uh, it's a really interesting experience like yes it sounds different um but just the style of composing is is definitely different as well so the next piece we're going to play and i'm excited to talk uh with carlos here about some of the context of this is called falling bridge let's take a listen
You guys listening to Falling Bridge, Carlos, give us a little bit of context, share whatever you know about Furukawa, uh, why do you love this game so much? This music <laughs> is, is amazing. Yeah, well, what I'll start with is that you can obviously hear here that it's more filmic, more scoring, like uh, like to a scene. And this uh, Falling It feels like bridge, a movie. Yeah, Falling Bridge is basically like an action set piece in the game. And it was one of the big uh, type of E3 demos that I remember people were getting all excited about. Mm-hmm. So you're playing as the young boy, and you're basically crossing this kind of rickety kind of architecture and as you're going through it's starting to crumble and you're taking these and james bond comes across right (laughs) yeah right well your james bond is a giant monster (laughs) so as you're trying to make your way across as it's crumbling you're reaching out to uh, get help from your partner and uh it's a very dramatic moment and you you both make it out alive and it's it's so rousing and you can hear that in this scoring yeah, this again, I was so reminded of Thomas Newman, particularly when the main sort of ostinato or groove kicked in. The, the, the harmonies here, the use of the chords, it reminds me of like modern Bond music, which Tom Newman's done most and, of yeah. those films. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, this is a different era than Shadow of the Colossus. And it, it really, yeah. it mm-hmm. sounds that way, but it just feels that way as well. Yeah, the writing is so strong, though, too. Like, I really do want to commend the orchestration here. It's interesting that you mentioned that uh, Takeshi Furukawa did orchestration on Clone Wars because the writing here for how, um, for how I guess, reflective it is of a more Western, modern filmic approach, I find the writing for the orchestra actually much richer than a lot of that music and done with with exceptional taste like imaginative not only in the choice of the pitches but the way things are set in the orchestra this is an example of a piece of music you could actually put in front of a real orchestra and get a great performance out of it's not something that would require like tons of overdubs and you have to record these instruments separately and boost them in the mix the way so much modern film music is kind of artificial in that way because it's composed with samples and then it's kind of you get the real orchestra to try to imitate the samples this isn't that at all this is music that yes it's mechanical and it's minimalist and big and epic and modern but yet it's it's still idiomatic for the orchestra which that's what i love to hear well i'm really excited to move on to this last track other than our play out and we were we were we're definitely going to set up that play out as well this is victorious
You guys listening to Victorious, and that's what this episode has been. It's been quite a journey exploring these three games by Team Eco. So I have a question for Brian and Carlos. Mm. How would you describe when you look at all three of these games and especially all three of their soundtracks and music that we've explored today, what are some of the emotions? What are some of the things that the images that come to your mind? And where do you think that this team could go if they were going to make another game? What would you like to see? So with these three games, I, I think I mentioned it to you before we recorded. I kind of see like Eco is kind of like your art house film. Shadow of the Colossus to me is like the big blockbuster from the yeah. same people because it literally is. Mm-hmm. And then uh, The Last Guardian is kind of like your big budget with an art house, like kind of auteur behind it. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. They all really hit in their own ways, and I love that they're each their own product, but aesthetically and artistically, they're related. And um, there are kind of some through lines that you could really pull, but it's all stuff that hasn't been literally defined. I mean, Ueda has said, like, yeah, these are kind of the same world, but there's nothing in each game aside from clues that you can pull from that will tell you that they're connected and um right i just I, I, yeah I, with, when it comes to last guardian these tracks that i picked were more of the exciting tracks and the whole soundtrack is beautiful it's actually the biggest of the three soundtracks i think it's like over an hour maybe an hour and a half almost um and the softer moments in this game soundtrack are beautiful as well but i'm just so glad that uh these games exist and i feel i know that they're working on a new game and i have no idea what it is but Mm. i hope it continues in this way where it's something completely different but with the same kind of core values that these games share that's amazing. What about yeah. you, Brian? Yeah, I completely agree with that, uh, especially about the core values. And we've touched on this a few times through the episode, but I think what I just value most about this trilogy is that sense of purpose he has to everything and and the sense of of meaning that, that everything has from every song to every gameplay choice to every, to the environments. There's a deep sense of purpose and meaning behind everything. And I find that's really special when, when games have that, that type of vision. And I find it's fairly rare to find that outside of something like Nintendo or a few other companies. And I think these are one of the one of the games that are absolutely most dedicated to their vision. And so that is for really the future, special. And I'm so glad that we did this episode this way uh, because I feel like for me and Will, it gave us so much more deeper context. And just like when we're listening to this music, we're focusing on things in a different way. We're thinking about it in a different way. Uh, and just maybe a deeper way. So I'm really glad that we that, yeah. that we did it. Like did I think like the this. context is especially important for this music because it isn't just like you know your episode recently in Gran Turismo music. That's awesome, but it's basically just a bunch of jazz fusion music that uh, <laughs> yeah. that is just fun to listen to and is on a menu. But this stuff was so specifically composed for its place in well, and these it probably worlds. i imagine helped to contextualize the experience in a way. It's like because. We're so used to in games doing stuff like this. We're used to slaying giant enemies and we're used to, you know, beating a level and to have the music give yeah. you the opposite context of what you're expecting. How awesome is that? And shows the power yeah. of what a game composer yeah. can do. Well, Brian, what would you like to see next? I, I kind of agree with Carlos, um, but to take it beyond that, I would love to see the I would love to see um 
way to do something as unique as he did with Eco again. Like, I love this world, but I feel they kind of fulfilled it in a sense through this trilogy. And so oh. I would personally love to see him just create something new again, like he did with, with Eco when it started. So that's kind of that's awesome. what I would love to see from him. Well, guys, don't go anywhere because the last track on our episode is the end titles from The Last Guardian, again, performed by the wonderful London Symphony Orchestra. So, Carlos, before we send our wonderful listeners on their way with the end titles, anything you want to say to set up this final piece of music today? Yeah, um, well, I I think in any... A piece of media where you know the story is like a boy and his dog you're worried about some type of tragedy right and i uh where i won't give away where <laughs> this game goes but it's not what you would expect but it's it's amazingly powerful where it lands wow and uh this game really like after they hit you with all of that it sends you off with this um, beautiful music. And the other thing that I wanted to r- say really quick is that this is actually, this episode, this week that it's coming out, this will be, I believe, the 20th anniversary for Eco. So we're, wow. we're basically oh, celebrating amazing. this whole series on the anniversary. So I think that's really cool. That's so cool. Well, cheers. Uh, thanks to all of our listeners for joining us on this journey. Thank you so much to Brian, Carlos, as well as Stephen uh, yeah. for helping with this playlist, for having this idea, and for joining us. This was a lot of fun. Guys, is there anything that you would like to plug before we say goodbye today? I'm just glad we were able to plug these games. And I was really yeah. glad to hear yeah. your guys' takes on these because I've always been really excited to share this with you. The music's amazing. Yeah. Well, I think you guys deserve plug, you, so plug away, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with, with Carlos that I'm just really happy to to be able to focus on this music and hear what you all said about it. I don't think I'm working on anything in particular right now to plug, but Man, it was wonderful being on here. you guys are so humble. I love it. And I always <laughs> that's, the, that's the move. I have to, something to say. No, I have no, something I, I want to plug, plug, not for myself, but a cool thing Uh <laughs> A game just came out called Eastward that I'm curious about checking out, but the music was done by mm. one of my professors, Joel Korlitz. Uh, I th- he was recently on Level with Emily Reese talking about it, but mm. uh, I know a lot of people have been kind of anticipating the game. I saw the trailer like on YouTube a while back, um, but yeah, I'm curious about checking that out. We'll have to Very check cool. out the soundtrack for sure. Okay, I thought That's of really something cool. to plug, which is I this month I'm doing some editing work for a friend who does a um, a Zelda audio drama series, and so if anyone wants cool. to see kind of a an original take in the the Zelda world of an audio drama, just look up Lamp of Ooh, Destiny on nice. YouTube, and she's about ten episodes in, but she's a wonderful friend. She does a great job. Oh, another thing. So I'm I was posting about this in Discord about what Bungie is doing to Marty O'Donnell. Mm-hmm. I, I really think everyone should try to support Marty by one of his Bandcamp albums. Yeah, uh, that isn't related to one of those games because he's such an important dude. But yeah, wishing him the best. Yeah, yeah, that's the plug for sure. Buy some of Marty's music. Yeah. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining us for this journey. Thanks again, Brian and Carlos, for joining us. And we're going to play you guys out with the end titles. This is an emotional episode, so definitely I hope (laughs) you guys have had your Kleenex right by. Okay, that's about it. Uh, My name is Carl Bergerman. I'm Will Bergerman. Have a great week, everybody. Peace out. Bye.